This is our next sermon in our series of um, transitions in discipleship and transformation in discipleship. Last week, I, I talked about the armor we wear to protect ourselves from being vulnerable. I talked about perfectionism, which protects us from being criticized. You know, if I'm perfect, you don't have any right to criticize me or judge me. And so perfectionism is an armor to protect us. This week, I want to talk about numbing. Numbing as a way to protect ourselves from vulnerability. Uh, when we started this series, when Colleen and I were planning it, uh, she said, you know, this, this has the, the potential to be a very self-revelatory series. And I thought, as I prepared last week on perfectionism and this week on numbing, I thought, man, it sure does. I could talk to you in both sermons about just my life where I struggle with perfectionism and numbing. Um, I tend to think that numbing is probably something we all do in one form or another. So um, I guess if I'm stepping on toes, uh, know that you have a fellow traveler uh, in, in this. Uh, I feel like a lot of these sermons are preached just to me. Numbing is, I'm going to define, as the avoidance of pain. The avoidance of the pain of disconnection, the pain of grief, the pain of shame, the pain of guilt, the pain of embarrassment, the pain of imperfection. It's how we try to, to distance ourselves and avoid, and avoid it. Now, of course, there, sometimes numbing is a good thing. Uh, we, we sometimes compartmentalize uh, parts of our lives so we can function. Sometimes numbing um, alerts us to what we need to avoid. As many of you know, I've had these surgeries, these skin cancer surgeries on my face the last two weeks. <laughs> I like the numbing. Uh, <laughs> the first time um, the doctors cut on me, you know, I, I got this little shot up here, and, and she said to me, now, let me know if you feel any cutting. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I waited about 30 seconds and I didn't feel anything. And I said, no, I don't feel anything. And, and she said, well, that's good, because I've already started. You know, so, so, you know, numbing at, at times is good. Um, when we talk about numbing, frequently our minds go to illegal drugs, misuse of drugs, alcoholism, and, you know, is that numbing? Yeah, yeah, and the question is, why are we doing something? It's not so much what are we doing, it's why are we doing it? Is it feeding, is it nourishing our spirits? Is it diminishing our spirits? Are we doing it to take the edge off? Are we doing it to get away for a while? You know, I love those Southwest Airline commercials, you know, need to get away for a while? Yeah! You know, that's, that could be a form of numbing. Uh, numbing comes in, a, you know, a variety of forms. Uh, I've mentioned, uh, you know, alcohol and um, and, and uh, Ill, in drug use, where we self-medicate. 
There's also, um, you know, food. Food is a way of numbing, uh, where we just fill ourselves up with junk. I, how often when I get anxious about something where I, I've got to make a decision I don't want to make, do I open the refrigerator door uh, in order to deal with it? There's got to be something in here that's going to help me deal with this. You know, how often is TV a form of numbing? My gosh, you know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago how I binge-watched The Rifleman. Well, you know, I also sometimes, just to fill the time with junk, I'll watch um, HGTV endlessly, you know, Chip and Diana and Property Brothers and Flip or Flop, and aren't we sad that they're separating and they've already separated? You know, Tarek and Christina. You know. um, one of the ways we numb that's so common and might be the most common way is busyness, is we just fill our schedule with stuff just to avoid reality and avoid what we have to deal with. Sometimes I wonder if my doing crosswords, you know, that I, I can't enter a meeting without taking a crossword puzzle to get me through the meeting. Um, is, that, is that a form of numbing? Is reading a form of numbing for me? Because uh, I'll put things off. I'll put off writing sermons by reading a book. You know, well, I'm doing something. Yeah. Um, so there's all kinds of numbing that we do. The problem with numbing is that it, it deadens us eventually. Uh, numbing, uh, it always needs more. It tends to, you know, I, I need more to get through and to numb. What I was using just isn't enough, so I have to increase it. Uh, numbing eventually deadens us. It makes us not alive. Sometimes numbing, you know, kills the pain, but it also kills the patient. Uh, numbing becomes a parasite that feeds on us, it exceeds its boundaries, and essentially, eventually consumes us. And that's what numbing does, and it's the problem with it. Numbing disconnects us, doesn't it? Um, numbing disconnects us either proactively or reactively. We might see that pain coming, so we we take action proactively to prevent that pain, to avoid it. Uh, other times, we're in the midst of it and we'll, we'll do numbing uh, as a reaction to it. And often this avoidance of numbing is just a denial that the thing exists. Years ago, I, I attended a workshop on adolescent alcoholism and how to deal with adolescents that were, that were alcoholics. And the leader of the workshop uh, put up on this whiteboard uh, the question, why do people go to church? And then she said, now I want you in the group to answer that question, why do people go to church? And, you know, Immediately, people said, because of the great sermons. <laughs> Others said, you know, music. Others said, to learn. Others said, for fellowship, for connection, for networking, for community, a sense of belonging. She said, yeah, those are, those are all good answers. 
Then she kept the answers and erased the question and put up in its place, why do people use drugs? And she said, isn't the set of answers the same for both questions? Now, I, as a minister, immediately said, well, that's saying that it's a spiritual question. This numbing is a spiritual issue. Now, if one's a lawyer, they're probably going to say, well, no, it's a legal issue. If one's an educator, they're going to say, no, it's an education issue. Um, for me, it was a spiritual issue, because spirituality is about connection connection to something greater, to something larger than we are, something beyond us, something that we don't quite understand. I was interested that one of you pointed out to me this week that um, the prophet Muhammad talked about food as that which numbs the heart. And so Muhammad advocated fasting as part of Islam because fasting would get that which deadens the heart, numbs the heart out of one's life and lead one into a spiritual connection with God. Yeah, it's probably true in, in every religious tradition. Augustine says that our hearts are restless until we find rest in God. It's that connection issue. C.S. Lewis talks about the human being and makes an analogy of the human being as, uh, as an engine. And we are created to run on the fuel of God's spirit. And any other thing we try to put in our engine, any other fuel, doesn't work. It gums it up, it's like junk food. And then another writer says that numbing is like raiding the refrigerator as a means for spiritual malnutrition, that there's food and there's junk food, and numbing is junk food. Now, as a Christian minister, I want to lift up Jesus. Jesus says in John, I am the bread of life. I am the spiritual connection. I am that which will overcome the sense of disconnection for which we seek numbing. I am the fuel that you run on. I am your nourishment. Jesus talks about being full, and he contrasts the difference between being filled up and being fulfilled. Yeah. That Jesus is the one who fulfills us. He is not the junk food that numbs us. And he talks about his food being the food that lasts, that he is enough. We don't have to keep increasing the dosage of whatever is numbing us. He is enough. And it's interesting as we take communion that when we talk about that which numbs us as a parasite, 
that feeds on us. Jesus is the bread that doesn't feed on us, but is given to us to fulfill us. Jesus goes on to talk about believe in me and you'll never be hungry. I don't like it when ministers and religious leaders make Jesus the answer. It sounds so simplistic. Just try Jesus. Having a problem? Just try Jesus. Just say, I believe in Jesus. A relative died? Just believe in Jesus. Going through a separation? Just believe in Jesus. It, 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 it's too simplistic for me. Well, Jesus in this passage doesn't really say, believe in me. But the original says is, believe into me. That's just awkward in English to say, believe into me. But believe in me is kind of passive. Believe into me is active. It's a movement. It's a process. We move into the house. We move into the job. We move into the church. It takes transformation on our part to move into something. And it takes work. And that's more believable to me when we say move into Jesus, because it does take work to move into his priorities, to move into his values, to move into his community. We just can't sit there and have it happen. We have to take action. Move into my loving of enemies. Move into forgiveness. Move into the church with people we might not like. Move into compassion. Moving into something, this action is actually saying, I can't do it all. I, if I move into something, I'm here, but not here. It's about boundaries. I, um, in a previous church, we had a lot of people who were really busy. Their schedules were just jam-packed. So we, we started a class on simplifying your life, and lots of people signed up for it. But they were really disappointed when they discovered that it wasn't about keeping doing everything you're doing, but just organizing your day better. It was actually about making choices and saying, I can do this, but I can't do this. I'm going to have to cut this out of my schedule. I'm going to have to set boundaries. I can't go to every game. My kids can't do every activity. I can't watch every TV show and every movie. I have to set boundaries. And moving into Jesus is setting boundaries. It's part of the solution to our numbing. We're numb by all that we do. Jesus uh, says, those who believe into me will experience eternal life. Eternal life is about the quality of our life. Ultimately, it's also about the quantity of our years, but it's got to be initially about the quality of our life. Who wants to live forever if the quality isn't, isn't there? 
the quality of our life is really about being authentic in our lives. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I will help you live an authentic life where you don't have to avoid things. You don't have to deaden things. My authentic life, my real life, is about a life of pain, and we can't avoid that. It's also about a life of joy. The problem when we deaden pain, we deaden joy. When we deaden sorrow, we deaden happiness. And Jesus is saying, my nourishment is authentically where you will experience pain and joy. You will experience forgiveness and imperfection. You will experience belonging. You will experience community. You will experience suffering. It's the authentic life. It's the true life. It's the fulfilled life. And don't we want authenticity in our lives and in other people? Today is Communion Sunday where we celebrate Jesus, the bread of life. The bread of life that says, feed on me for, for authenticity, for realness. Feed on me to be fulfilled. Move into me. Move from numbness to realness. Move from being less than alive to fully alive. May it be so. Amen.